Well, we're going to go to the book of the Revelation tonight, Revelation chapter number 5, and then if you'll find Romans chapter 8 for a little bit later on in the message, um, we're going to go over there and read some verses, and then we might turn our pages, turn the pages of the Bible a little bit tonight. I don't do that a lot, uh, but we might do it some tonight, do a little bit of Bible study, looking at some things that'll help us. As we go through this message tonight, this is the uh, this is the last message on the series about the scarlet thread, um, the atonement of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for the blood of Christ? Man, I wish everybody knew how powerful it is. I truly wish everyone understood about the atonement uh, of, of the blood of Jesus Christ, but we do, and we should be very, very thankful. That was the price that was paid for you and I, that we might know God and know Him in a free pardon of sin. How very, very wonderful. So, Revelation chapter number 5, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, we'll begin reading verse number 1. Revelation chapter 5 and verse number 1. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereupon, uh, thereon. And I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, he, uh, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials of odors, which are the prayers of saints." And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred, uh, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth 
forever and ever. If you'll leave your Bible open there, we are going to look at a few of these verses, and we're going to look around a little bit, and we're going to try to preach on this subject. Worthy is the Lamb. So worthy. Let's pray. Father, what a blessing it is to be here in your house, Lord, gathered with your people. just thrills my soul, Lord, to be back home and be gathered with folks that you love, folks that we love. And I pray, dear God, that you'd meet with us tonight as only you can, that you'd help us and guide us direct and direct us as we preach this message. Oh, Lord, again, that you would open the understanding and the hearing of of, of folks that are here and folks that are listening and, and Father that um, that you'd be honored and glorified in all that's done I need that unction that can only come from you Lord that power from on high I'm trusting you for that I have no other place to go and Father so please please just help us with this message tonight to realize how great thou art and we will thank you and praise you for your goodness and mercies for we ask all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the Word, and please do be seated. The scarlet thread of atonement ends in the book of the Revelation. <clears throat> Excuse me, there are nearly 30 references to the Lamb of God found in this book. The first is found in Revelation chapter number 5 where we read one of the most interesting contrasts in the Bible. Because in almost one breath, Jesus called both the lion of the tribe of Judah and a lamb as it had been slain. And by joining those two titles together, the Holy Spirit, the divine author of our Bible, assures us that Jesus is, Jesus is the fulfillment of all the messianic hopes of the Jews. And He is the Savior of the world. That's our God, absolutely. So after this introduction of our Lord as the Lamb of God in chapter number 5, the Lamb appears repeatedly in visions that John had recorded. And with each revelation, we gain a fresh understanding and appreciation, really, of what Jesus Christ has secured for us as believers by the virtue of His atoning uh, blood. And when we reach the end of the book, we have read of the worship of the Lamb. We've, we, we read of the wrath of the Lamb, the marriage of the Lamb, the Lamb upon the throne presiding over eternity. And the predominant name of Jesus in Revelation is the Lamb. And that is the way I believe He'll be remembered for eternity. And one truth that we can learn from this is that the crowning event, the crowning event of human history was the day when the Lamb of God shed His blood to redeem all of mankind. Amen. Definitely, definitely. So, so in this message, I want to consider three revelations of Christ, the, the Lamb of God in the book of the Revelation. And first thing I want to think about is the worth, the worth of the Lamb. In this vision, our attention is immediately drawn, as we read there, to a book, a book that is sealed with seven seals. And the book that's mentioned is not named, but its significance is shown in what we see here in the Scripture. We see that it's held in the right hand of God. That's a pretty predominant place, if I do say so myself. 
We see the presence of the seals and the proclamation of the angel that indicates that this book can only be opened, only be opened by one with proper authority. And we see that John, the apostle John, wept when no one was found who was worthy to open the book. And then, of course, that Jesus, we find that Jesus is worthy to open the book and initiating the events that will climax with his return to the earth as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And from this scene, we learn two truths about the worth of Jesus Christ. The first is this, Jesus is worthy to redeem the earth from its curse. Hallelujah. Very thankful for that. So go over to Romans chapter 8. We, we've got that marked. Go over there real quick. And look at, uh, look at verse number 19. Romans chapter 8, verse number 19. Uh, it says there, <clears throat> For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. So what we understand is that right now, the age where we're living right now, this earth is under the curse and it's waiting, it's awaiting the redemption day for the earth itself. In its present state, the present state of the earth, it's not fit. It's really not fit for the kingdom of Christ. It's not fit for his people. Talks about the sons of God there. It's not fit for his people. And when God created the world, he put it under the dominion of Adam and Eve. I mean, he gave it to them. I mean, gave them the perfect place. You can find it over in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, and gave that to them. And then when Adam fell, when he partake, when he partook of the fruit that he should not have, he forfeited, come on, brain, he forfeited forfeited his right to rule over God's creation. And at that time, the earth came under the curse. And so today, and a lot of people don't get this, but this is absolutely the truth. Today, Satan, the devil, is the God, little g, of this world. And he reigns over it through the rulers of the darkness of this world. He's a very powerful being. He really is. He's not all powerful like God, but he is a very powerful being. And now where we are, he is the God, little g, I can't, I can't say that enough, of this world. Um, let's look at a couple of things. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Come on, it won't take long. And I don't do this much, but let's look at a few things tonight. A little bit of Bible study real quickly here. Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, verse number 12. Ephesians 6 and verse number 12. We're getting there. I hear pages turning. It's a wonderful thing. Ephesians chapter 6, and look at verse number 12. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Preacher, 
good grief, this world's in bad shape. Sure is. You know why? Because Satan is the God of this world. No, no. Preacher, I can't believe these people are getting by with everything they're getting by here in America. These leaders, how in the world is all this happening? Uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. No, I'm telling you, no, it's very, very real. And that's why the world is in the shape that it's in. And that's why it continues to go the way that it's going. Because there are, there are those in high places, aren't there, that are godless as they can be. Somebody say amen right there. They don't care anything about God, anything about what God says or believes. They just want their way. They are being ruled by the devil himself. And let me just go ahead and say this. A lot of them don't even know that. They really don't even know that. That they are being controlled by the devil himself. They don't even understand it. No, they have no spiritual understanding whatsoever. In fact, they think God is a myth and the devil is a myth and we're just living this life and good grief. We can have a little, we can have a little, uh, a religion, you know, so we can look good in the eyes of people, but we don't really believe any of that stuff. We're just doing what we want to do. No, no, it's all over, isn't it? Come on, no, no, I'm telling you, this world's in a mess because Satan himself is the God, little g, I love that, the God, uh, little God of this world. Turn over to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew 4. Let's have a good understanding of this. Back over to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter number 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse number 8. Again, the devil taketh him, Jesus, up into, a, up, into an high, uh, in, up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of this world and the glory of them. And he saith, the devil does, to him, Jesus, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. That's what the devil's wanted all of his life, to be in charge to be in control. Come on, that's what got, got him kicked out of heaven. Well, but he's offering Jesus all the things. He can. Okay. He is the God of this world at this point because of the curse and because of everything that happened. We have to understand this, ladies and gentlemen. Look, we fight a lot of fights. We, fight, we, we go through so much and we don't understand that most of what we go through as far as battles and trying to be the Christian that we should be is spiritual conflict. It's spiritual warfare. It's the devil working not only in our minds, which he loves to do, but working all around us through all different types of venues to get things to us that we shouldn't even be partaking of. And, and, and he was able to offer Jesus this. If you'll just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all of this. Well, I mean, he already knew that it was all going to belong to him again one day anyway. <laughs> Come on, that day's coming. Somebody say amen right there. I'm telling you, he already knew, but, but the devil does have that kind of, of power. Oh, one more, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4. And um, verse number 3. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3, but if our gospel be hid... It is hid to them that are lost. Now look, watch this, verse 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, no, 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 listen to me. The God of this world blinds minds. And he does it by all the stuff that he puts out there trying to uh, discredit God. Come on, he does, come on. Y'all still with me here? Oh, absolutely so. He, He does it that way. You know why people do not get saved? Look up here for a minute. You know why people do not get saved? Because they refuse to believe. Because their minds have been blinded. How many times have you heard this? As you've tried to give the gospel to someone, well, that's just too simple. How can you even believe that? That's just too simple. Well, God made it simple for us. He paid the price for us. But we have to believe, don't we? Come on, believe on the, believe, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, it, we, we have to get to that point. But as the devil keeps people blinded to the fact, that fact about, well, the Lamb of God, the blood that was shed, all those things, people have no choice. I mean, no uh, chance. They do have a choice. They do have a choice to believe. Came a time when I heard the gospel and I, choose, I chose, I choosed, I did, to believe. And then when I did, it was life-changing. But there is a real devil. He's real. He is the God of this world at this point. It's going to be redeemed, the whole world, hallelujah. He is the God of this world at this point. And he is very powerful. And that's why it's so very important that we stay in this. Because we're, no, 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 we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood. And if we're going to win the battles, we're going to win them on our knees. Talking to God and trusting God and what he says about these things. What he says that we should be doing, that we could live a productive Christian life. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to live a productive Christian life. He wants us to have a life of joy. He does not want us to be consumed with fear and worry and fret about everything. God doesn't want that. But the devil wants that. And if he can keep us in a place where it just seems like there's a dark cloud hanging above our head all the time, instead of yielding ourselves to God and seeing his glory and everything that might be happening in our life that's right where he wants to keep us and I do believe that's the reason that most believers even today do not have the joy of the Lord the way that God wants us to have the joy of the Lord when we can have the joy of the Lord if we will just believe what he says I mean come on after salvation if we would just believe what he says if we would believe this more than we believe the lies of the devil and the lies of this world we would have much more victory in our life absolutely so that's just a quick little bible study anyway (laughs) Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. See, because the day is coming when through Jesus Christ, the meek shall inherit the earth. Come on, Matthew 5, verse 5. The day's coming when that will happen. Jesus, the lion of, the, uh, of Judah and the lamb who was slain is the redeemer of this earth. He is the redeemer of the whole earth. He provided redemption through his blood for every, every person, every race, every nation. He provided that. The provision has been made. And those whom he redeems will reign with him one day, uh, the, earth having, the earth having been made fit 
for his kingdom because of the blood that was shed all those years ago. So Jesus is the only one worthy to open uh, the book. He is the one who shed his blood to redeem us from our sins. He is the one who will reign over the earth uh, as its king uh, to have place, to have place in his kingdom, men Women, boys and girls, must place their faith in his shed blood and become one of his redeemed people. But also, Jesus is worthy to be worshipped by the redeemed. Very worthy to be worshipped. Turn back to Revelation 5. We worship him by exalting him. By exalting him. It's, it's, it's somewhat along the lines of even what I said earlier about, um, about telling people, talking about Jesus as we go. About being that light that shines wherever we go. About not being fearful about talking about how he saved your soul or what he's doing in your life. Come on, it's not wrong to, to talk to coworkers and say, boy, let me tell you what God's doing in my life. They may look at you like you have a third eye, but I'm telling you, every good gift and perfect gift comes from God. It is God that's working in your life when things are happening that way. And it's not wrong to talk like that because we want to exalt Him in everything, every part of our life. When we begin to be fearful that if we begin to talk like that, that people will think we're just some kind of a nutcase and then we'll lose a friendship. I'm telling you, we're not putting enough faith in our Savior. We're not putting enough faith in our God who is all-powerful and wants all people to know Him. We can't be scared to tell people that we know Christ and that we're trying to live our life for Him and that He has been so very good for us. I mean, we worship Him by exalting Him. We worship Him also by falling down before Him and making ourselves low that He might be lifted up high. Look at verse 8 there in verse uh, chapter 5, verse number 8. And when He had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Falling down before Him, we make ourselves low that He might be lifted up on high it's it, it, it's it's a way of of worship but also by making him the central focus just get, get this get this get this church please by making him the central focus of our assembling together why do you go to church well if i don't go the preacher starts texting me and stuff and you know and Wondering where I was and all these different things. Well, that's not a good reason to go to church. Well, my parents make me go. Well, that's a good thing, but that's not a good reason to be here. We should be here, (coughs) excuse me, because we want to make him our central focus when we gather together like this. It's all about Him. Come on, we say it all the time. It's absolutely the truth. It's all about Him. It needs to be all about Him. We need to remember why we're coming into this sanctuary. We're coming into this sanctuary because one day He saved our soul. And we want to worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
Verse number 11. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing gathered around the throne, thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands and thousands. He was the central focus of all that. Come on, one of these days, one of these days, we that know the Lord Jesus Christ, for eternity, He will be the central focus of our life. <laughs> oh, mercy. Life gets busy, doesn't it? Well, I tell you, I'll, I'll be trying to, to, to read my Bible and spend time with God. Man, all these different things are going on, whatever the case may be. Man, when that time comes, when this, is, when this life, when this mess is all over with and all we have is Him, and we can go and we can spend as much, there won't be any time, we can spend as much time with Him, worshiping Him, there with Him. I mean, it is going to be a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Come on, if that, doesn't, if that doesn't make you smile inside just a little bit, thinking about that time that we'll be able to be with Him for eternity, I, I, I'm telling you, you, you need to think more upon Him. Yeah. And when we come to church services like this, He needs to be the central focus. I love the fellowship and, and, and all these things, but I'm telling you, it's about Him. And that's why we should come in here asking Him to do what only He can do. And we come in here and we worship Him to an extent with singing. We sing praises to Him. Uh, verse number... Verse number 9, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain as redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred, every tongue, people, and nation. Hallelujah. We worship Him through singing. But we also worship Him. Now get this. I want you to get this too, church. We worship Him by acknowledging, and this is, this is big. We worship Him by acknowledging His Lordship. What does that mean? Well, he's supposed to, he is supposed, he's supposed to, well, I got some words going tonight, don't I? He is supposed to be the Lord of your life, not just the Savior. What does that mean? That means we're supposed to be listening to him and doing what he asked us to do. No, and no, 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 no. We worship him by acknowledging that. Look at verse number 12. Uh, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature was it, which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. <laughs> Okay. Um, the Lord has power over everything in this world. If He wants the rocks to cry out, they will cry out. Come on, it says right there that John, in his vision of what's going to happen even heard those in the sea 
Okay. I believe the Bible. No, I believe all of it. I believe when it says that uh, he heard that God allowed him to hear even the fish crying out. I believe it happened. I believe it's going to happen. There's a lot of people that believe that before things happened a long time ago, that most that there are were some animals that could talk. I mean, the serpent, he talked, didn't he? Balaam's donkey, he talked, didn't he? Wow, preacher, you're way out there. Oh, no, 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 no. I just believe God. <laughs> I can have fun with this all by myself, I promise. I love it. No, no, no. If I can't believe every word of God, why would I keep doing what I'm doing? Why would, why, would I, why would I be here? Why would I get up week after week and try to convince you just to do whatever God wants you to do? If I didn't believe all of that book. Mercy, friend, when we begin to... No, no, no. When we begin to, to, to practice enough faith that we believe every part of the book it will change the way we view everything. And it will change. No, no, no. It will change. Um, it will make us understand that He really should. He really should be Lord over our life. We really should let Him control what we do in this world. I mean, He has, no, no, He has dominion. He has control over everything in this world except you and me. Because He gave us free will. And we decide, we decide whether or not we're going to listen to him and do what he says. We decide that. No, we decide we're either going to do it or we're not going to do it. We decide. We decide whether we're going to believe him in every word that's in the book. We decide those things. I'm so thankful that we can believe. I'm so thankful that we have the Bible. I'm so thankful that we can believe every word that's pinned down in the Bible. I'm, I'm so thankful that we can come and we can worship Him. Jesus is worthy of everything we can give Him. Blessing and honor and glory and more and more and more. Worship has meaning. Get this, get this. Worship has meaning when it reflects a humble heart and a bowed knee. Not just a bowed knee. Because a bowed knee really means nothing without the humble heart. <clears throat> there are some churches out there, and I'm not trying to be critical, but there are some independent Baptist churches out there that have a time of worship. Uh, okay, everybody can take a knee and have a time of worship. I'm not against that. If they want to do that, I have no problem with that. Well, why don't we do that, preacher? Because not everybody that bows a knee has a humble heart. Because I cannot make people worship just by getting them to kneel before God. No, 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 no. Just kneeling before God is not worship if you don't have a humble heart. If, it, no, no, if you don't have a, if you don't have a, uh, if you don't have a, uh, a repentant spirit and a humble heart and a willingness to really truly worship God. Worship comes from the heart. It doesn't just come from the bended knee. That's why you can make trip after trip after trip to an altar and nothing takes place. There has to be the humble heart that goes along with that. Let's move on. Turn to Revelation chapter 7. 
And we're going to look at the, this is great. We're going to look at the washed of the lamb. The washed. Revelation chapter 7, look down at verse number 9. It says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them and they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. The Bible tells us that this present age, the church age we're in now, will end in the period of the great tribulation. Uh, The rapture is going to happen one of these days. Somebody say amen. He's going to come take us out of here, which will start the tribulation. There will be three and a half years of of tribulation. Then there will be three and a half years of what the Bible calls the great tribulation. So it ends with the period of the great tribulation. The world will tremble at that time with wars and indescribable natural disasters and terrible judgments of God happening everywhere. And an overview of these events is given in Revelation chapter number 6 will not take time. Chapter 7 gives us another perspective. It tells us of a great worldwide hallelujah revival in which multitudes will be saved. Multitudes will be saved. During the tribulation, a great number of people are going to be saved. And concerning their number, they'll be countless. And concerning their nationality, they will come from every race of people upon the earth. And their salvation is attributed, get this, just like it is with you and me, to the Lamb. Oh, no, no, verse uh, 10, where we read there. And, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. So they'll be in the presence of God in heaven. We saw that in verse 9, verse 11. They will hunger and thirst no more, according to verse number 16. They will sorrow no more, according to verse number 17. They will be robed in white. And that's a symbol of the righteousness of Jesus Christ in verse number 9 and verse number 12. And the whiteness of the robes is attributed to the cleansing of the power of the blood of the Lamb. I love it. It's just wonderful. And during the tribulation period, Jesus will still be known as the Savior, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sin of the world. The blood that has the power to save and redeem in this present age right now will still have that cleansing power in the period of divine judgment. It will. And let me me interject this right here. If you've heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and had an opportunity to trust Christ and be saved, and we're raptured out of here, 
and the tribulation starts and you're left here, you'll not ever be able to be saved. The Bible teaches that you will believe a lie at that time. Well, I saw a bunch of movies that said, you know, people went to tribulation and they got saved. They better check their Bible again. Because that's, not, that's the danger of Hollywood anyway. No, no. If, if you've heard the gospel and had a chance to get saved and don't get saved, and we're raptured out of here, you'll never have a chance to get saved. I, no, I don't say that with any joy in my heart whatsoever. It's just the absolute truth of the Word of God. But those that haven't rejected, there will come a time that that cleansing power, even in divine judgment, will be all-powerful. Until the very end of time, those who place their trust in the blood of Jesus will be cleansed of their sin and made as white as snow. One more, Revelation 19. We're doing good. We know we're doing good. I, I thought when I, came, when I came out of my study to come in here, I thought, well, this is going to be a short little message. Okay, so it's not as short as I thought it was going to be, but it's good, isn't it? Amen. Amen. Absolutely so. So let's think about this, Revelation 19. Let's think about the wedding of the Lamb. The wedding of the Lamb. Look at verse number one there. And it says, After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord uh, our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up uh, forever ever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were a voice uh, of a great multitude and as a voice of many waters and as the voice of mighty thundering saying hallelujah for the Lord God uh, omnipotent reigneth let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints and he saith unto me right blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. <clears throat> Revelation 19 describes the triumph of God over the kingdom of Satan. The judgment of God will have reached its climax and the earth will be prepared for the coming of the true king. And Jesus and his bride it will be the, uh, it'll be the final triumph of what was purchased by the blood of Jesus back on Calvary. And as all of heaven rejoices over this great victory, uh, a great cry will be raised, like the sound of a great multitude of people announcing the marriage of the Lamb. Marriage... Of course, we know of this, but marriage was designed to reflect the relationship between Christ and His church. Oh, no, it was. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. 
the plan of salvation was decided, we know this, the plan of salvation was decided uh, upon before the creation of the world. We know that. And Revelation 13, 8 describes Jesus as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So it was already planned. The salvation was already planned. In 1 Peter chapter number 1, verses 19 and 20, states that God ordained, ordained that sinners would be redeemed through the precious blood of Christ. So God's salvation plan included the formation of the church. It was part of his plan. In Acts chapter 20, and verse number 28, states that Jesus purchased purchased his church and every church with his blood. That makes church pretty important, doesn't it? Come on, if he purchased it with his blood. Sure. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse number two teaches us that the church is espoused, the church is promised in marriage to one husband, Jesus Christ. Every local church Every local church, such as Riverside Baptist Church, is a mirror image of the completed church that will be assembled together in heaven for the first time at the rapture. What a picture. And at the marriage of the Lamb, the church will be eternally joined to Jesus. (laughs) To be ever at His side... In a union as sacred and as permanent as human marriage was designed to be, was designed to be that way. Jesus loved the church and gave himself for it. And a church should love its Savior. Submitting itself to Him and reverencing Him just as a wife is to submit and reverence her husband. Same way. Church, Does Jesus view us as a submissive bride? Do our actions as members of Riverside Baptist Church really demonstrate reverence to him. One day, maybe maybe very soon, Jesus is going to be coming for his bride. And at this moment now, right now, don't leave me. At this moment now, He's working to sanctify us and cleanse us that we might be ready for that day. That we would be without wrinkle or without spot. Come on, Ephesians chapter 5, 26 and 27. 
Our responsibility, come on church, I'm talking to you. Our responsibility until our wedding day arrives is to be faithful to Him as any bride-to-be should be faithful to her future husband. That's pretty sobering, isn't it? But it's just as much Bible as John 3.16. The final mention of the Lamb in the Bible is in Revelation 22. Two times the throne of heaven is said to be the throne of God and of the Lamb. It, 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 it is as if God wants to give us one closing reminder that, that, that we will owe, listen, listen, that we will owe our, our presence in that place of eternal glory to the sacrifice of Jesus and the blood that He shed to redeem us. The only reason that you're going to heaven if you're headed there is because of the blood that was shed 2,000 years ago. The only reason. Every day we should remind ourselves that the most valuable commodity in this whole universe is the blood of Jesus. It has purchased for us what all the riches of this world never could. The redemption of our soul. Hallelujah. Because of Jesus, because of our Redeemer, there's a heaven in our future if you're saved by the grace of God. And forever... Forever we will gaze into the face of our Savior, holy, blameless, and loved. And it is the blood of Christ that gives us that hope. We need never lose sight of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood. Well, people don't understand that. You try to talk to them about it. I know, but we understand it. <clears throat> it is the blood of Christ that brought us the atonement or, at, or the at one meant with God. Oh, precious is the flow. <laughs> that makes me white as snow. I'm singing, you can't stop me. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. <laughs> The scarlet thread goes all the way through the Bible. And one of these days, if we're saved by the grace of God, we get to go live with Him for eternity. If we're saved by the grace Until that time that He comes to get us out of here, 
let's make sure that we are the bride-to-be that we should be. Only you can decide that. I can't decide it for you. Only you can work on that. I can encourage you, but I can't do it for you. He is worthy. He is worthy of all. Make sure that you're practicing the Lordship of Christ and reverencing Him as you should. Let's all stand. Stand with me, please. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. You need to come tonight just worship Him for a minute for how good He's been to you, for saving your soul, that you would humble your heart and bow a knee to your great God for what He has done in your life. Or maybe you need to come and ask Him for the help that you need to be the bride-to-be, to live the life of faithfulness and reverence to Him. Maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior, and you need to come tonight that you might come to the saving knowledge of God. Whatever your need is, let's take a few minutes and let God have His way. Would you come tonight? Just yield yourself to Him.